Hi everyone, welcome to another edition of Dublin Tech Talks. As always, we are brought to you by Icon Accounting. Icon, if you're not aware, are providers of end-to-end -end services for professional contractors with a speciality in the tech industry. Joined today by Dan Ring, who is Head of Research for Foundry. So Foundry is a visual effects studio, uh, really, really interesting stuff. So looking forward to hearing all about what they do and in particular the research component of uh, the Foundry business. Dan, thanks for joining us today. Really interested in uh, hearing all about what for me is a really fascinating industry um, and, and great to see that it's, it's here in Ireland. So it's, this isn't something that uh, you know has to be located in glamorous far-flung locations we're, we're doing some really good stuff from from ireland so could you maybe just tell us a little bit about foundry i've crudely classified it as a vfx you know um uh, technology provider i'm sure it's way more than that so would you mind telling us a little bit about the business in general yeah absolutely so um uh, foundry it's we're essentially a software development company but we um we specialize in making tools for and the creative industries so particularly media entertainment uh, and also design um it's about 25 years old uh, it started in in london so um and we kind of made our name for ourselves by doing building a lot of the, the special effects tools for um assisting with how how pictures change over time so our first thing that put us on the map was um we wrote the tools that um stitch this sort of the images and blend the images uh, for that matrix bullet time sequence. So that's oh, the, wow. of, of kind of, uh, you know, the things that- no, I, may, I may nerd out during this stuff, so don't worry about it. You know, oh, yeah, go, yeah. yeah, go for it. And then, um, so, uh, so yeah, so, and, and that was um, kind of, that was a kind of a, a big achievement for us, but it was mm. like, it was the result of a lot of work in, 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 as I said, sort of understanding how pictures move and writing algorithms for um, giving artists kind of access to and control over over those pictures and allowing you to do things that you just weren't possible before mm. um, and then so yeah over the years we've um you know, continued to kind of build out uh, kind of our software portfolio from working on 2d images to um modeling 3d images to working with like virtual lights and rendering uh to like creating this and um, tools for storyboarding so creating those like those panels that that mm -hmm. um, kind of that you use to kind of pitch an idea or a story and develop a story um, and how do you do that digitally and how the, the how the world between sort of the the, the analog and, and digital plays between each other and that um, as well as what are the things to do um yes yeah, yeah I, I think that's plenty modeling you, animation tools yeah I, I think I think I've, I think I've forgotten I think we have a couple of, oh yeah in, in the design space as well then um we also in, um uh wrote tools for um um, shoes. So for designing shoes for for Adidas, yeah. New Balance, Nike, um, and then uh, yeah, designing sort of like they're representing the, the dashboard for for Mercedes and things like that. Okay. So 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 um, it, I mean, it, it, there's so many practical applications that, but essentially, it's helping take that creative idea to you know test the the, the limits of of what we've traditionally been able to do and present visually, and just give people the the capability to get the thing out of their head and and onto a, a storyboard or a, or a piece of film or, or whatever, yeah? yeah? Exactly, yeah. I mean, you could think of us as, um, we're, we're the people who like, we, we are not artists ourselves, but we, know, we mm. understand artists and we understand how to make very nice digital paintbrushes. Mm. But ultimately it's, it's just, it comes down to sort of, um, it, 
I mean, the way we kind of describe it is we, we try and take the drudge work out of the creative side so that to make sure that the creative people can just be creative as soon as possible. Um, and I think that's the, I mean, we're, we're lucky that um, kind of in the industry that we work in, um, we get to work with some very fun people, very fun customers. So like we end up working with the people who make Star Wars, who mm. uh, make Disney and Pixar films. Um, and yeah, so that they've like, their expectations and quality kind of demands are, are so high. I mean, obviously, if you've, if you've watched anything on, on, on Netflix or been to the cinema, you know that the kind of the, what you expect from that is, mm. is, is high. Like you've, you know, you, we, we are accustomed to having fantastic experiences, both from, mm. from a visual perspective, but also from the, say, the aesthetics of your shoes, like you want yeah. them to look fantastic. And so we're, yeah, we're, we're very privileged to work, to work with people who have these sort of like kind of high demands and kind of, mm. and will work closely with us to make sure that they're, they're met. Because it's funny you mentioned the Matrix, right? I think for me, that was probably one of the first movies where, you know, visually, it, you know, with the, the time lapse sequence and stuff like that, it was something that I hadn't seen before. Visually, it jumped off the, off the screen. And I know there's, you know, with, with compass, compassing and, you know, rotoscoping, tracking, all that, or whether it's robots or aliens on the screen, it's very obvious, you know, the CGI elements and the visual effects. But you, what, some of the stuff that I've become aware of more recently is much more subtle, right? And so it's kind of like, Day, day shoots that you can now make an, into a night sequence, you know, where you don't have the, the the practical challenges of trying to film what you want, you know, in 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 poor light conditions. Yeah. So is is there a, you know the Big Bang stuff that is great and you know visual popcorn, but is there a lot of work that is very subtle and and you wouldn't really notice? I mean, honestly, most of the work there that that um, our customers do is on this invisible side. So mm. you can imagine that um, from the from the moment a picture is captured on camera, like after uh, principal photography, is um, you can imagine there's a whole number of stages that have to pass through before that gets to the, the silver screen, to your Netflix uh, uh, app on your TV. Um, so yeah, there's um, like, depending if you're doing like kind of the, the, the big thing, putting in a, like a, you know, um, a, a creature from Star Wars, then that's mm -hmm. gonna take a huge amount of effort and, that, and, that's, that, and that's not. But yeah, I mean, nearly every picture has to go through a, a huge number of those stages. And our software is used in, I'd say, between 90 and 95% of those for everything that you see. Mm. Um, if it's feature film, I think we said that, um, yeah, I think like every, if you look back at the Oscars, I think from um, at the previous uh, uh, wins, uh, every, every film that, that, that's won has used our software. Um, mm. And at least one, one package, one of our packages. And this goes from, from period dramas to uh, you know, to the, the, the massive um, Star Wars and Marvel shows. So, um, yeah, it, you, you, can, you can tell then that the, even if you're, you know, you have a shot from like night or day or uh, removing like um, a, a beauty work happens a lot. So anytime like you see an actor's face where the makeup might not have been applied perfectly, you've mm. got to like do a little tweak to kind of remove a mole or, um, you know, remove like, like kind of um, crease lines or things like that. Mm. Um, but all of those little things, and there's this hundreds of thousands and probably millions of those that go into every show. Mm. And so even the most, um, I mean, even the most simple of um, kind of, uh, you know, documentaries will usually still have things like even uh, like, um, like ha have parts of the image treated. Uh, mm. So for example, um, you, you've, you've filmed something and you want to replace the logo of something or 
uh, you're not allowed to use a logo, but instead you can't just blur it. You you want to replace it with something else. That yeah, of course. And this could be all on the background, like you're you know you're interviewing somebody who's right here, but in in the back of the shot, there's something there that you you need to remove. And um, yeah, so our our software is about like letting you do that as quickly as possible. So that like because that's just that's it's just a background task. Like that's just you should just do it and and get and be done with it and not have to worry about it. Mm. And that's kind of that's kind of the, the the aim of what we try to do. And it's, it's definitely making that technology more accessible. I think I read somewhere that the cinematographer for Knives Out used the Nuke software on his laptop just between shots and at home in the evening and, and stuff. So, you know, is that, it, has that been facilitated by the, you know, the, the rise in, in the power, computing power on machines and, you know, you know, the platform from a cloud perspective to be able to share and, and change data? Has that been a, a factor in enabling your technology? So, um, I mean, like, cl like cloud computing certainly helps. Um, um, I would say in, in, in that case, it's, it's usually down to the fact that like a lot of the software that we write is, has become industry standard. And it's, it's just, it's the lingua franca for how you work with data. So um, our, our package Nuke that you mentioned, um, you could imagine it as um, a kind of a hub where a lot of data comes in to be operated on. And it's usually where the final pixels like come out. It's where the, the kind of the last decision of like what the, the picture is going to look like is, is yeah. made. So yeah, for, for something like having a laptop out and kind of tweaking things live, um, it's, I suppose like, like Nuke certain, certainly lets you do that. But I think the, the, the kind of the, the, re the reason why you want to do that is because of the kind of control and flexibility that it, yeah. that it gives you. Um, and I think it's, it's like, it is very much a, um, uh, an engineering tool for artists. So if you're mm -hmm. in any way creative and you can kind of express a problem that you have, like an like an, uh, an imagery based problem, uh, if you can express that in a, in a kind of a, a, a neat way and you know what you want to achieve, it is very natural of how you um, break down that problem into kind of steps to mm -hmm. kind of start, you know, processing and reviewing. And and then once you've, you've made that decision, um, because it is in uh, Knives Out example, um, because it is sort of industry standard, when you save that changes for how you see it on set, mm. you can then just take that file and, and then hand it off to somebody in post-production. And you can say, this is the thing that I've decided. Um, and they can go ahead and, and make it happen. Yeah. Cool. So, and so your, your position is head of research. What, what's, tell me about like, what is it that your, your function is? Where's, what's the research component of, of the business? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, Foundry has had a really strong kind of, uh, research arm for um, I mean ever since its sort of uh, inception. Um, so the the matrix work that I, I mentioned before, um, that came out of work that was entirely around sort of research focus, like algorithms that came from um, kind of academic papers on how you you how you manipulate like images, and um, and then so that sort of made that sort of kind of stayed constant as the the, the company has grown. So um, we have, um, we've kind of quite, quite a large research team for uh, considering the kind of size of the company. Mm. And our work is, is around sort of investigating the, the more speculative sides of kind of the media entertainment and design industries. Um, so it's figuring out like um, kind of what trends are happening now and what things do we need to keep tabs on? Um, are there ways of taking, taking things like that are like interesting in, in academia? And bringing them into the hands of the artist, and it's it's that mm. like in, like kind of my goal outside of research is helping make that transition between kind of the really out there things and the kind of the mm. like kind of blending the worlds between the kind of like the possible like in theory with 
what do artists actually need right now in order to mm -hmm. make their lives easier and to get them kind of home on time. And are there any trends, without giving away any trade secrets of what's coming down, down the line, what, where do you see the, the uh, future um, scope for, for, the, for effects? Yeah, so the, this, it's a great question. There's a couple of really good areas that, um, that we're keeping tabs on. Um, I think one of the things is obviously uh, machine learning and AI is a, mm -hmm. is a huge topic. Um, the thing that we're interested in, it, and the take, like our take on it, is definitely not that we don't believe that machine learning is going to be this one button that does everything and solves every problem mm -hmm. um, and then does away with that person's job. So the more we've sort of probed that idea, the more we realize like a lot of the stuff that people do, particularly artists, is really hard. Like it's um, like the kind of, the, the kind of uh, as I mentioned, the kind of the high uh, kind of quality barriers and qualities and, and expectation levels. It means then that like these artists are really well trained. Like there's, it's it's it, be, it's very unlikely that a machine learning button is going to replace them. Mm -hmm. So instead, we're really focused on understanding how machine learning can assist an artist. So it's definitely assist and not replace. Mm -hmm. And the idea here being is um, like how can we ensure that the, the artist is not aware that something is say machine learning enabled in, in the fact that the artist is just doing their thing, and then as they're as they're doing it the system can learn from from what they're trying to do it can see that okay i can you know based on you you having done this task before i see like you might want to do this thing or mm -hmm. i can just or or you can take it the artist can take it say 20 percent of the way the system can recognize where it's going to go and can then deliver the you know another say 60 percent and then mm -hmm. hand it back to the artist to do the kind of final 20 percent where the the bulk and the hardest kind of um, yeah. parts of the work are there so mm -hmm. that's the first thing machine learning i think is um I think that's interesting. That that's that's kind of like I mean my, my take on a lot of machine learning stuff is that it, it's to augment people and, and it's that convergence of where technology can supercharge and enable, you know, the human to remain more focused on that creative element. And I guess that's you know yeah. um the best example of that can only be in an artist situation, of course. Yeah, exactly exactly, exactly. And I think the the kind of the the people who we've seen have made the kind of the best use of machine learning in, in our industry are definitely kind of artists who are also technologists and have mm. started dabbling with this and sort of picking out the pieces from academia that make sense and um you know things like like de-aging uh, is a really good yeah. example where mm. de-aging has been a it's a super expensive process to do if you want to do it manually and there's folks who have been kind of playing with it to see how you know can they say take um uh Robert, the and then um, you know, de-aging with machine learning techniques. And the interesting thing there is that it does get you a long way away. Like it's still not at the, the fully believable level. Um, and the challenge there, that's, which is kind of sums up our, kind of our, our, our approach to this, is that if you just do it that way, it'll still leave you short. And if there's no way for an artist to correct that, like to fix it, to get it to that last mile, that last kind of few percent, it's not usable and they have to go yeah. back and go back to the very beginning and do the whole process manually. So mm -hmm. our, our take is like, how do we, how do we ensure that we can get to, you know, get the artist like as far as possible and then still have it in a form that's familiar to them that they can then mm -hmm. manipulate to the, the final percent. Cool. Then the second thing you said. So the second thing is, um, it's what is a thing called what's, um, what's called virtual production. So it's, um, if you're, you, you may be familiar with them, you know how a lot of films these days are shot on, um, say, green screen. Yeah. And the idea being later on, you replace the green screen with a big, um, you know, background and, you know, the fully digital background. Um, and 
over the years, we've seen sort of a trend towards um, people wanting to see what the background will look like in advance. So when you're on your, when you're on set, um, you have a little monitor that is like taking in the green screen and the live picture, and it knows where the camera is, and it does a little render offsite and then composites the two images together so that the director can see the kind mm. of the scale of the, of the background, they can see the colors and get us kind of sense of how to frame the shot. So it means then the director can say, well, like I'm panning across this camera, but there's mm. a really nice bit of the background here that I need to get in. So I'm gonna pan out a little bit more. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, people have been working like that for uh, a good few years now. But kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure whether it's COVID driven or not, but um, there's been a, a shift now towards this, this sort of new, well, COVID has helped, I suppose, but there's this sort of new technology um, used, which is called um, like in-camera VFX. Okay. So the idea being that instead of having a, 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 a green screen behind you, you shoot in um, where the, um, within what's called like an LED volume. So imagine like a whole like kind of, um, kind of a, a kind of a an open semi-open cylinder of um, of LED um, kind of pixels, if you will. So imagine like kind of a whole a huge stack of kind of a curved like TVs essentially, yeah. um, but with a really really kind of high resolution of the whole thing. Sure. And the idea being here that um, in advance you can if you have your 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 background that you say imagine you've got a big castle or something or or a spaceship, um, you then instead of doing a green screen thing you then say to the 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 wall i want to draw this like you you, you basically paint on the the, mm. the cast or the, or the wall or the background and then that looks like looks like a wall like a it looks like the thing that's the back of the one. Yeah. so as soon as you film it then mm. with characters in it you immediately see yeah. you know what you get and there's no um you know that the director can actually also see um you know a, you know around shot as well and say oh actually mm. if we point the camera there i'm going to get this other nice thing uh, you know yeah. I, I completely forgot that that was going to be there so let's move things around and shoot from mm. that angle so and i guess from an actor's perspective as well that that leads to more engagement so you don't get that slight offset eye focus or something that just ruins the illusion slightly yeah. exactly exactly mm. exactly and the, the other kind of really big thing about this though is it lets you, it, it what controls the light. So because it is like the background, mm. all of the light that's been cast on the actors is kind of correct. Like if it's yeah. a, you know, if it's a spooky gloomy castle that has like kind of, you know, gray or blues, like mm. the character is going to be covered in grays or blues mm. and not mm. like, not green from the green screen. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, which, so uh, the green screen world, you have to, you also have to shoot in a very even, evenly lit scenario mm. or, or setup. So um, it, it means then that, you know, if you, you have to kind of add in all this extra fake light after the fact, and you have to darken mm -hmm. things and tweak things. Whereas with this sort of um, in-camera VFX world, the light is being provided by the LEDs and you get this, you know, you, you get kind of true mm -hmm. enough light. And uh, so, yeah, so, so, so it's, it's very good from a, you know, as a director of photography, it means then like, you can then say, oh, well, I don't like the way that the, the light is being cast here. So I'm gonna mm -hmm. put in, virtual light and the virtual light um is, is then driving the kind of the intensities of various pixels on this wall mm -hmm. and so that they're then able to drive and, and kind of get a better picture of you know this of, of this light so you're giving kind of more creative freedom to to the mm -hmm. director and director of photography and um, that's fascinating yeah yeah so, so, that's, so that's, that's, yeah, yeah. So everyone, uh, anyone watching this immediately wants to quit their job and work in, in an industry like this. So 
what what how did people get into the industry or specifically in what are what are the types of skills and attributes people need to have to work in the research element or in the business generally do they have to come from a creative background you know are, are people from a coding background of interest is there a, a blend yeah. so um so i mean we have a mix of of everybody from creative backgrounds to highly technical backgrounds to um maths chemistry phds like it's uh, it's it's a huge it's a huge mix um in the in the kind of more like kind of product development or is it um, like software development teams for products and um, it'd be typically more like say computer science and software development backgrounds and yeah. um, we do have kind of a strong like in the kind of kind of um, product specialism stages uh, areas they would be more creative they are and, and i mean i should say that all the creative people are also highly embedded in the software development teams as well of course um, and then for in the research team um, we, we typically hire folks that have done some sort of um, postgraduate degree. Uh, usually, it doesn't like it, it. Usually, has to be in the area of like computer graphics or um, like data science. Um, but we have um, we've hired people um, who've had backgrounds in, in like is it maths or chemistry, mm-hmm. um, and it really is like often it comes down to kind of the, the person. Like you have to. Um, it, it's it's usually down to the, the nature of the person. In, in say research, for example, it's. Um, the, the the challenge is is kind of going very deep on these like on the the engineering side to these creative problems so it needs a kind of a, a person who's um yeah who's not who's not afraid to kind of you know uh ask a lot of hard questions for which there may not be any answers for which you you might be responsible for um for answering um and so so yeah so that, uh, yeah i think we um we do like to hire the kind of more naturally inquisitive the more um um, autonomous, like self-motivated, self-driven, um, as well as people who, have, who generally have to have a, an interest or passion in films as well. So we also have um, uh, people who uh, who have made films on the team as well, like feature films, um, and have kind of come into the industry from kind of orthogonal angles. Well, I suppose the research, you know, from from what you've said, the research component where you're, you know, quite embedded in in um in the university space you know and, and talking to people about um you know emerging research uh, you know that would lend itself well having a research oriented mindset and experience can only help with that right because that's uh, that world and the technology world are you know not necessarily uh, as joined up as perhaps they, they should be oh yeah I, I mean the way we see it is that there is a, a very clear like continuum from or between sort of the, the kind of the academia world of academia and uh, and our and, and us and our customers and, and and I think the like ultimately it's, it's it always comes down to problem solving like that's yeah. the the shared thing between all like uh, between all of us it's just it's just a matter of like how you like what problems you're trying to solve how you're solving them and who you're solving them with um, and I think we're we're very fortunate to be in a kind of a, a lovely position that we we get to work with um, mm. with everybody along this this line along the spectrum, and um, yeah, so uh, we're yeah we're we're very lucky. Um, we also I mean I also should say like one of the reasons so we're um, uh, half of the research team is based here in, in Dublin, the other half is mm. is in our headquarters in London. Um, but one of the things um, we've noticed is the particularly for for Ireland. Um, we do have um, the, the kind of the, the, the folks that come out of Irish universities, particularly um, for computer science um, and graphics um, and data science as well, uh, is that, that they, they do often have this sort of this nature within them. That, that there is a kind of um, uh, a lovely kind of like um, 
as I'm like, um, is it a personality trait or something or, or a behavior? Um, but, but it does seem that like we do have kind of higher, le- like kind of more, more of these people who are mm. just naturally gifted at, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, at exploring things in a kind of, um, in a kind of a creative way. Like, yeah. so yeah, uh, I, I'm not sure. Uniquely Irish, you know, unique, uniquely Irish trait, whether you're uh, born here or not, if you've lived here for a while and immerse yourself in it, I think. You know, it's definitely, uh, we like to talk, we like to listen, you know, we like to figure some stuff out. So, yeah, I, I, I know certainly the data science um, uh, postgrad stuff and third level stuff here has, has a brilliant reputation internationally in particular. So. Yeah, yeah. But it's, Look, this I has mean, been it's, super it's, interesting, yeah. Dan. I could talk all day, um, but I guess if people are interested in your business or the industry, they should just keep an eye on what's happening on the websites and maybe reach out to you if they've got any queries about uh, your business or... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, feel free to ping me on LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, more than, more than happy to chat further. Great. Well, look, thanks for your time today and um, uh, have a great day. Yeah? David, thank you very much for having me. No problem. So thanks again to Dan. That, that for me was really interesting. Um, that would be a dream job. But anyway, look, thanks for, uh, for watching again today. As always, if you want to be kept updated on these interview style um, podcasts or some of the meetup stuff that we're doing virtually, just go to our meetup.com page, Dublin Tech Talks, or you can look at the social channels on LinkedIn for, uh, for news on what's coming up. So again, thanks, for, uh, thanks to Icon Accounting for uh, their continued support. Thanks for checking in, and we'll see you again soon. Thanks.